This is your Walt Disney World picture phone operator. How may I be of assistance? Remember how easy it was to learn your ABCs? Thank the Phoenicians. They invented them. Hello, hi there. Welcome to my park. How you doing? Tomorrow's child. Tomorrow's child. Seeing that knowledge keeps growing. This is Dave Barry. And Ridley Pearson. And you're listening to WDW Radio. 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 everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 247 for the week of November 6th, 2011. This week, I want to introduce you to Alex Mayer, an artist from the Disney Design Group, who's going to share not just his personal journey about following his dream to work for Disney, but more about his roles at Walt Disney World projects and merchandise he's worked on, and advice for those looking to pursue their own passion and help make magic for others. I'll have some announcements and then play more of your voicemails at the end of the show, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. As Disney fans, our appreciation for the parks and even the films goes beyond our enjoyment of the attractions, the visuals, and even the specific experiences. And in fact, we love it so much that we want to show and share and take home memories of that experience. And even more so, sometimes you want to be part of it by bringing Disney into your house or even putting it on your clothes or your walls or your shelves. And whether you call it a souvenir, uh, a collectible, a gift, a memento, or a must-have, merchandise from and about the Disney parks is an integral part of the experience as well as being an enthusiast. And on the show, I often want to introduce you to the folks behind the curtain that really do create Disney magic in their art and how we enjoy it in so many different ways. And I feel we don't often get to recognize, appreciate, and thank those talented people that bring so much happiness to us all. So this week, I'm joined by a good friend, and you know I'm going to say it, the most talented Disney artist, Alex Mayer from the Disney Design Group. Alex, welcome to the show. How you doing, Lou? Good to see you. Well, I can almost say welcome back, because you and Brian Blackmore, who's been on the show before, um, you guys were, I think, my very first interview, yes. like way back in 2005, when I just started this whole podcasting thing. I think you're going to hear that on, on the internet somewhere still. <laughs> <laughs> Things on the internet never go away. They never go away. Never go away. So that's kind of scary. Yeah, we met up at the uh, the Barnes Noble over on Sand Lake. You remember that? And I, yeah, you absolutely. Because I, I remember first meeting you guys and we were just talking offline before we started how fascinated I, I was and still am just hearing you tell stories and getting to look around your office. Uh, this is an audio podcast for a reason because <laughs> there's great stuff in here that maybe we could talk about, but maybe um, we can't show. But this time, Alex, I want to dig a little deeper. I want to have sort of a an Oprah couch-like moment and get to know the real Alex. So I want to know, uh, and if you cry, it's podcast gold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> um, 
But but tell me, let's sort of go way back, way back. Um, a couple of years. I'm to, very old. No, no. <laughs> Listen, it's all a state of mind. If you look around your office, you are about seven. Yeah. So exactly. um, <laughs> take us back to when you're a kid growing up. Did you sort of always have this? Does, were you drawing on at home with crayons on the wall? Like, did you know you were going to be an artist early on? You know, I think I, I, I did know that. I, I don't think I was drawing on the walls, though. I don't think my mom would have liked that very much. But, you know, I think my first recollection of my love of Disney, actually, was uh, when I was about five years old. I was um, at, in kindergarten, I believe, and um, I was at the elementary school library. And for some reason, I pulled out a book, and it was about Walt Disney, and I was mesmerized. And I did not put that book down. I don't think I could read it at that time, but I looked at all the pictures, you know. And I was just hooked from then on. And from then, that point on, I'll never forget, I just, all, I was immersed in Disney. Everything was Disney. And from that time until now, I still, in the same way, I mean, every book I could find, every magazine I could find, every period, I mean, every article on the, in the newspaper, I just, I just collect it all, and I just, everything about Disney I love. You know. So where where did you grow up? Like, were you able to get out to the parks at all, or was it more about the books and the movies at home? Um, well, I grew up in Miami, Florida. I was born and raised down in Miami, Florida. Um, so we weren't too far. I, there was no Disney back then when I was a kid. But uh, I remember when the parks were, when the park was being built here, and we would, I'd always get this, we'd got this, uh, the Sunday paper. So I, I started looking through the Sunday paper every every weekend, every Sunday, and uh, looking for um, articles on Disney. That's all I would do is look for articles on Disney and about all the stories about Walt Disney World being built. I was so excited about that, and I couldn't wait to visit it. So, But my dad was an artist, so that helped me with the, the art background, I guess. So um, thank God my dad, he was a, he would critique my work all the time. He would always say, oh, this is really great, but try this, you know, and he would just enhance it and make it look better. So he never said anything was bad. He just said, it's great, but try this. So from an early age, I, I always ex- uh, accepted and, uh, you know, wanted uh, criticism on, on my work it, it only makes you better you know that's why I tell the artists here don't take it so personally you know just you know so we, we all we all have room for improvement you know so but it was I was blessed to have a father who was an artist I was like you were fortunate because you were getting trained sort of almost formally trained at home um, as you were growing up so at some point when you do make that decision to say hey this is the direction I want to go does it happen in high school does it happen in college and then what path do you start to try and follow Oof. I think it's uh, all my life I knew I had to work for Disney. All my life. I mean, um, like I said, from the time I was five years old, um, I didn't know how I was going to do that, you know, and I would talk to people. And and as I got into high school and in the art classes, I would talk to my art teachers and they would talk about your career path. And I said, I want to work for Disney. I want to be an artist for Disney. You know, and unfortunately, my art teachers would kind of discourage me. They would say, oh, you know what? It's impossible. It's impossible to get into Disney. No, you know, it's, they only take the top of the top of the top to get in, in Disney, you know. And I was like, okay, great. But, you know, I'm still going to try, you know. My dad used to always tell me it's better to try and fail than to never have tried, you know. So I, always, and I instill that in my children, too, you know. Always try, you know. Um, but uh, I, I, never, I never listened to my teachers, you know. And, and uh, my parents always encouraged me, you know. And, and soon after that, um, my wife encouraged me also, you know. I got married right out of high school. And joined the military because uh, I couldn't afford to go to college and so I went in the military and uh, drew Disney characters all over my walls <laughs> all my lockers in the, in the, on the office on the ship and the guys thought I was crazy you know but I didn't care you know and I knew that um, you know I had a good career in the military but I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do I wanted to work for Disney so I only stayed in for three years and um Went back to Miami out of the military and, and got my got my foot in the door with different ad agencies and graphic design houses and I was a graphic designer for fifteen years 
you know. But like same there, I I had some good jobs, but I I knew that this is not my career. My career has got to be with Disney somehow, some way. It's got to be with Disney. What well, did, did you think you wanted? What did you want to be an animator? Do you want to be an artist, or you just didn't care? You wanted to just get in? Um, I thought I was going to be an animator because I didn't know there was any other art. I just thought you know you're an artist, you draw, or you're an animator, you know, right? And uh, to this day, I'm a character artist, but people still call me an animator, you know. And I'm tired of correcting people. I'm not an animator. I'm a character artist, you know. People they don't understand the difference. I think, well, what's the difference, you know? So I just you know I'm a character artist, you know. But uh, so I thought same. I thought you know I had to be an animator. So I would I got every book I could find also on animation, and uh, learned a lot about animation, you know, uh, in through high school and stuff like that. And also did some of it in the military. Um, so I thought that was my path as being to be an animator, but uh, didn't quite work out that way. <laughs> Actually, I, I uh, came up to Disney. Um, you know, I used to come up from Miami. We come up every month, you know, to come to Disney World, and uh, and I used to talk to people all the time here at Disney. And, and the the main uh, thing that people said was, you have to be here. You have to live here because you get to know people. Mm-hmm. And you know, inevitably, you're going to meet someone who works at Disney. You know. To get your foot in the door, so I used to walk up to that casting, you know, center all the time and see what there was available. Because at this point, I wanted to just get into Disney. I just right. wanted to get into Disney because I heard once you're in Disney, you could find a job where you really want to be once you're in. You know, so I would like, walk up that long pathway, that long, uh, you know, the ramp up right. to the to see the Disney hiring gods. You know, <laughs> it was like, and I would just, I'd always look and see what was available. You know, for for, for jobs. You know, and. Um, but like I said, I wasn't living there. We'd go and vac- come up on vacation and stuff. And so I uh, finally decided, you know, let's just move here. You know, my wife said, you know, let's just move here. You want to work for Disney, let's move here, you know. And and I, you know, like before that, I used to always send resumes up and I'd always get rejection letters and things like that. But uh, so she just, let's move up. So I, I left my job. I was an art director at, at a college down in Miami. I quit that. My wife quit a job. She was a, a banker. And... So she quit that job, which was a really good job, and we had two little children, and we moved up here, and we didn't have any work. We didn't have any jobs, and people thought we were really, really crazy. Except my, my parents encouraged me, and they said, you're doing the right thing, you know. But everybody else thought, what are you doing? You've got a family. You have, you know, you have to make money, you know. So that's what stopped me from coming up much earlier because I didn't have a job up here, you know. But I, we just decided to take that risk. Yeah, it's all about taking leaps of faith, and yes. I, I certainly know the importance of having a supportive spouse <laughs> and, yes. and parents when it comes to doing that. But you, you know, everybody's sort of path to getting to Disney is different, and you literally were knocking on the door. I mean, you literally went up to casting and knocking on the door, and I'm sure that's a question you get, and for some reason I get, I think because I hear guys like you and Brian and Mark on the show, they say, well, how do I do it? You know, I'm an artist, I've been drawing for years, what do I do? You know, I think there is no right path, but if there's a piece of advice that you give people... Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's hard because I think all of us, if you talk to all of us, like you're saying, uh, we all had different ways of getting in here. Um, I think it's a little more difficult these days. Um, pretty, pretty much uh, the ones we've hired in, within the last several years have been interns here from college. So they, were, they had that art degree. They had the uh, illustration degree. And we bought them in as interns. And we see how they work for six months. And, and thank God we've been able to hire a few of them. So that's pretty much how... It has happened the last several years, but when I first started 20 years ago, we didn't have that internship. We didn't have any of that stuff. So we just 
got a hold of the manager at the time, who was Mark Zeppola, and um, he agreed to see my work and uh, came in and showed him a couple pieces of drawing, a couple of drawings of Mickey Mouse and. I remember it was Jessica Rabbit, Roger Rabbit, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I drew those three, and um, he liked what he saw. And he says, "I'm going to give you some some tests. I give you he give me a test to do." And he gave me a figment to do. That was my first piece. I'll never forget it. He just asked you to draw a figment and bring it back to him. And yeah, he gave me some model sheets on figment, and he says, "We want to kind of uh, make figment look a little younger, a little bit more youthful looking. So can you do that?" And I said, "Sure, I can do it." <laughs> I don't know how I was going to do it, but I you know, and I I was so excited uh, to get some model sheets, you know, and figment, and took them home that night and started drawing them up and bought them back the next day. And he says, "Great, great job. We're going to give you some work, you know." So that's how it kind of started. How I got my foot in the door. You know? uh, do you remember? I'm sure you do. What what your first project, your first assignment was when you were here? Well, like I said, the figment was the first assignment. That was actually made into all different kinds of things, magnets and, like, the little PVC magnets and things. And um, I think I have some of those at home. But uh, that was the first – I'll never forget it was figment. But after that, they kind of run into – I did a lot of Christmas ornaments, a lot of Christmas ornaments back in the early days. Um, um, that's all I can remember. Actually, I was – Mark wanted to bring me in and do a lot of Muppet stuff, which I said, fine, that's great. I'll do Muppets. But even though I was thinking in the back of my head, I really wanted Disney characters, right. you know. But I was happy to do anything, you know, and just uh, get in. Um, but I never touched a Muppet. <laughs> never start, did anything <laughs> with Muppets. I, I just started doing all the Disney characters, you know. And, and I thought they all – you know, Mark loved everything I did. I, he thought everything was great. But then I look back on that stuff and I go, what the heck were you thinking? I remember <laughs> – I was in our library a few years ago, and I was, like, looking through some old art, and I saw one of the pieces I did right when I had first started, and it was really, really bad. And I took it to Mark and said, Mark, how did you approve this? Why did you approve this? It was terrible. And he just kind of laughed, and he said, you know, it can't be that critical on everything, you know. <laughs> so. so you've always, uh, you know, right now you work in the Disney Design Group. Is that where you were hired into, or sort of a different division then? And were you always creating product? Yes, uh, back in the day, um, back in the early 90s, it was called Attraction Merchandise, Creative Merchandise. It wasn't Disney Design Group. It wasn't until about maybe seven, eight years later that we merged with Disney Design Group, which is was out of uh, Team Disney building over here. And they did a lot of the resort design, um, like brochures and all the, the different things for the resorts. And we were the merchandise side. But we, we merged both teams. And we were going to come up, we all, like, uh, you know, came up with new names, you know, like a contest, you know. <laughs> And it ended up staying what they were. They were Disney Design Group, and we were Attraction Merchandise. And uh, so we all became Disney Design Group. So, And I've been working on product ever since. It's funny, when I first started freelancing for the department, um, I enjoyed it because, I mean, I'm a big Disney fan. I love all the old Disney characters, you know. And I love drawing, you know, Bambi and Snow White and, and you know, Thumper and, you know, Tinkerbell and all those great characters, Mickey Mouse, of course. And, and you know, and I thought, this is awesome. I love this. But, you know, I still thought I wanted to be an animator, even when I first started in this department, because I thought, you know, I want to, you know, make, you know, make the characters move. I want to be an animator. Um, and it just didn't work out. You know, it just didn't work out for, anim- for me in animation. But then I started realizing as the months went on that I am in the right place because I love these characters so much that I'm where I'm supposed to be because I get to draw all the characters from Disney. Whereas in animation you're drawing a new character that nobody has any affinity right. towards. Because we were in, in, located in the animation building for 10 years, and, and I remember talking to some of my friends who were in animation, and, and I was like asking one of my friends, what character are you working on? It was Lilo and Stitch, right? And he was working on Stitch. And I was, I'm working on this little blue alien character. I said, well, who's that? You know, it's like, is he nice? Is he mean? And I said, well, he's mean, but he kind of gets nice towards the end, you know? And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound very interesting, you know? But 
because you know you don't have any affinity towards right. them now. Of course, everybody loves Stitch, but you know back in the day when you're working on, you know, it's like, you know, nobody knows. You don't know if you're working on a character that people are gonna love and or not. You know, so that kind of really sealed it for me. Knowing I'm, I'm I'm drawing Mickey Mouse every day. I'm drawing you know Bambi and Snow White and all those characters, and everybody loves and loves these characters. Nobody knows those characters are working sure. on animation. You know, so I thought I'm, I know I'm in the right place. Yeah. yeah. And so just tell us briefly uh, about what the design group does as a whole. And now you are a senior character artist. It sounds so official. Yeah. What um and what what do you do here? And sort of what's what's a typical day like for Alex Mayer? Well, um, Disney Design Group, we create all the product uh, art for well, all the all the product all over the world. I mean, you know, for for Disneyland and Walt Disney World, the cruise lines, the vacation clubs, and we also help out some with Hong Kong, I believe. And so we're getting more um, involved with some of the other parks overseas and things. And so we pretty much create all the art. Um, I'm, I am a senior character artist, like you said, so I do all the characters. I have to draw all the Disney characters. We all have our, our forte that people, you know, certain people like drawing princesses, some certain people like drawing the Pooh characters. Um, I've always been a, an artist that kind of I like to do them all. I like to draw all the characters, you know. I do have ones that I prefer, but um, I enjoy drawing the princesses and the Pooh characters mm-hmm. and Mickey and the gang and everybody else in between, you know. But, uh, so as a senior, I think uh, like we have to help some of the younger uh, artists. Not, I shouldn't say young. I should say you know some of the associate character artists or whatever that are just coming on, or the interns that we help them, we train them, and we have to approve their work. And also freelancers. I do. I use a lot of freelancers for uh, for uh, illustration work, for character work, and I have to help them with that, do corrections for them, and and vendors also we don't have a big enough team here to do all the art that is required so we use outside vendors and um so they have their own art team so i see a tremendous amount of vendor art that comes in every day so i i'm on the pin team so mm-hmm. i pretty much um uh, there's three of us on the uh, on the pin team right now three artists and um so we can't do it all so we use a lot of vendor art so i'm every day i'm looking at sometimes 50 60 pieces of vendor art wow. for pins so. And I remember, one of the things I remember from our first interview was a, a term I had never sort of heard or thought about before. We talked about character integrity and things like, you know, Mickey Mouse, especially being Mickey Mouse, has to look a certain way. And, and we sometimes as guests, lay people, may think that Mickey might look like Mickey. And, but you know so many of those subtle differences, I guess, that you're able to impart on those people that are coming in that maybe we're, we're drawing Mickey at home. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, we all feel we know what Mickey looks like, but we all draw them differently, all the artists here. Um, I could tell a Brian's Mickey or Mark Zeppelin Mickey, you know, easily, you know, because we all know our st- each other's style. Um, but none of them are wrong, you know, just different styles of Mickey. I mean, Mickey changed throughout the years also. Freddie Moore was one of the main Mickey uh, animator, and he loved to change Mickey every cartoon he did. He didn't like to do the same thing over and over again, so he liked to kind of alter him each, each movie and w- with Walt's blessing. Walt loved when he would alter Mickey a little bit, you know, so um, that's fine. It's all, it's all good, you know. <laughs> and it's fascinating because a couple of months ago we were talking with you and Brian Blackmore about some of the animated films, and you were, you are a Disney fan first, and it was amazing, it was just fascinating to me to hear how you're able to look at a film and know what Disney artist did what because of those subtle differences, whether it was, you know, a built call award, whoever it was, just by looking at it. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, after you get to know a lot of these, um, uh, I would say, uh, are, are the legend, the Disney animation legends, I mean, you get to know their styles and stuff. And, and we just know from experience who did what, you know. And you can tell. In, in one sequence, you can see, like in Baloo, you could see where um, Ollie animated him. And all of a sudden, 
also oh that's, that's Frank's animation you know so it just uh, it just you get used to it. but there's there also there are also uh, also there's some scenes that I don't know you know I don't know who did what you know like uh, in Brave Little Taylor uh, there's a sequence when Mickey goes up and you know, to the princess and the and the and the king whatever and and he said he kills him with one blow whatever you know they killed the giant whatever he can do with what I don't know exactly how it goes but. Um, uh, you know, I always thought that was a Freddie Moore, and no, that's Frank Frank Thomas that did that. You know, so there's just scenes that you know I would have known if didn't you know if I didn't read about it. You know? Is there an artist, um, some of those legendary artists that you whose work you admire or respect or sort of influenced you most? My oh, goodness, you know, I'm such a big Disney fan, and I'm such a you know such a fan of all the old animators that it's hard to choose one. Of course, we all talk about Mo Call being the the best animator, but I think you know Mark Davis, and you know, I love Frank and Ollie. You know, so I'm going to name them all because I love them all. You know, and I it's love, like children. You can't. Yeah, I, I love Freddie Moore's uh, stuff. You know, and uh, uh, he was amazing. Um, but you know, Bill Justice, he wasn't one of the nine men, but he was a good friend of mine, and I love Bill's work. And he was just a great guy. So. Well, we, um, you know, you were talking about your pins, and, and when I first met you, that was really was what you were working on a lot. I mean, the pin thing had really exploded uh, around 2005, and I was fascinated how. You know, they are sort of little miniature pieces of art. You know, a lot of people look at them as collectibles or pins or they hang them or put them on a lanyard. But they are little pieces of art. And one of the things that I've liked that's happened over the past few years is that uh, they unchain you from your desk a little bit. They let you actually get to go out and do signings and get to meet guests. That's got to be great for you. And it's rewarding for us because you can put a face to... To the, to the piece of art that it really is. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, we sit behind a desk all day long and we just create stuff. So it's great to get out there and meet people because, you know, I'm a big Disney fan, so it's fun to meet other Disney fans, you know. Um, we all just we just hit it off right away because we have that common uh, interest. So, you know, it, sometimes it gets kind of uh, crazy at, at signings at some of these events because uh, the lines get pretty long, and I like to talk to everybody. And uh, sometimes some of the managers are like, okay, move it, I'll move it, I'll move it. You know, but, you know, it's like I like talking to the people because it, we all have that same interest, you know. So I always, you know, love to find out what they like and what characters they like and where they're from and things like that. So it, it, it's a lot of fun. It's always, we always love going out and meeting everybody. You know? And I, you were at, at the D23 Expo, uh, and the lines were huge. You were like Johnny Depp at the Expo. Yeah. But uh, do people ask you about specific pieces or how you drew it or technique or, oh, by the way, here's my portfolio? <laughs> you know, we get uh, we get uh, question, a lot of different kind of questions. You know, people ask, you know, how do you get in here and how do you do this? I want to be an artist. Or, oh, my, my daughter's such a great artist or my son's such a great artist or my niece or nephew, you know. And I always, I encourage people to, you know, to you know, send their work. You know, I'll give them a card or something, tell them some work. And I'll look at stuff, you know, I'll look at people's work and, and stuff. So it's, it's always a lot of fun, you know. I try to encourage people as much as I can because, I mean, I only got encouragement from my parents, but nobody else. (laughs) And, you know, you've gone from doing pins to some vinyls to lots of other different merchandise over the years. Is there something that you enjoy doing most? Is it the, the, you know, sort of two-dimensional pins or sort of three-dimensional thing or pieces of art? And I can't ask you, but I'm going to, is there something over the years that, has maybe a special meaning for you or like your favorite child. You won't really admit that you have a favorite <laughs> child, but deep down you do. Is there something that you're like, this is one of the things I'm most proud of doing? Oh, goodness. <laughs> you know, there's just so many things I've done over the years. And, I mean, like you said, the 
pins are, are they're fun because they are like pieces of art. You know, some people say, oh, what a waste of talent. You're just drawing these tiny little pins. But, you know, I draw them, you know, an 8.5 by 11 or 11 by 17 paper. And, and I draw them nice and large. And, you know, they're reduced on that size. But it doesn't mean that we don't draw it or we don't put the detail into them or the thoughts into them. They're all, they're like little stories in a lot of these pins, you know. So we put a lot of effort into them. And that's the, the most difficult thing is coming up with new ideas all the time. I've been doing pins for over 10 years now. So um, it's it's always a challenge to come up with new ideas. But uh, as far as a favorite thing, you know, it's it's hard. Um, I love doing Walt. I'm a big Walt fan, so I'm big. Uh, I love doing Walt pins. So I'm always taking on those. I'm um, doing Walt pins. Um, um, you know, anything that has like some little subtle things uh, that has to do with Walt that maybe people don't realize. You know, like I I did a pin for Disneyland. It was a jumbo pin. It was Mickey Minnie sitting in popcorn, but behind is the uh, is um, Mark Twain and. Um, in the, but they're sitting uh, right in front of the petrified tree. And maybe a lot of people don't know what that is, but, you know, that was a, an anniversary gift that Walt gave to Lillian. So I did that on purpose. I, I, made, I created that ping because I wanted to show that, you know. And there's been other little things that I've put little Walt things in there. Like um, I, I did a, a, a pin, a jumbo pin of Mickey riding on Walt's lily bell. And behind is Walt's you know, little red barn, his little workshop barn. And I, that was probably one of my favorite pins because it had a lot of meaning to me. And it's, it's, it's all Walt stuff. And apparently it had to be approved by the family since it is owned. Lily Bell is owned by the family and, and the barn and all that right. stuff. So that was probably one of the coolest things I got to do, you know. I'm going to ask you more about your, um, your love and your appreciation and respect for Walt. But you mentioned talking about drawing and animating. And we're sitting in your office where you have, you know, big computer screens and a tablet. Uh, do you do a lot of things on the computer? Do you still like doing it by hand, or is there a process where you go from hand-drawn to computer, or is everything done digitally? Yeah, well, we have these new um, computer uh, monitors. They're called Cintiqs, where you actually can draw right onto the, on the screen. So it works out really well. It's uh, um, kind of a time saver. But um, it's still, for me, it's, uh, there's a little bit of a disconnect when you put that little light pen onto this glass and you draw on it, it just doesn't seem like it feels like a pencil and paper. So sometimes I'll just kind of sketch out um, a rough idea and then I will print it and then I'll actually will get on my animation table and actually will draw by hand because I feel I can get a lot more control with it with it and get more details in there doing it by hand. And then once I get that final pencil done, I will scan it in the computer and ink it up and color it and airbrush or whatever I need to do. So, Yeah, I wondered if there was sort of that, that tactile feeling of, of feeling the, the pencil on there and feeling the paper in your hand. Yeah. Uh, we were talking before sort of that, you know, the hand-drawn animation versus the computer-generated animation, um, and I think we sort of have this, this mutual love of, of the hand-drawn stuff because there is something raw about it um, and not as refined as the computer, even though so much is going that way. Um, but let's, let's talk about your love of Walt, and, and that was one of the things that, both you and Brian had expressed when I first met you guys was this this fascination with Walt, respect for Walt, um, his legacy and history. And you guys actually do presentations on him as well. Yeah, uh, Brian and I kind of develop a, a PowerPoint that we take around to any division that will will give us an hour <laughs> and listen to uh, and hear uh, or listen to and watch uh, images of Walt and his life. Uh, we love talking about Walt. Um, we, we, like I said, we go around and uh, we do this like hour-long presentation. It's like starts from the time when he was born up until the, pretty much the time when he passes away, um, and talk about his whole life. And it's just like a visual PowerPoint, so it's a lot of fun. We've done it for some of the Disneyana clubs and stuff, and pretty much like I've done it for legal department here and our research and development and a lot of different divisions of the company. So it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of fun. So I'm always telling people. 
if you want to do a little brown, brown bag lunch and learn thing, I'm, I'm there, you know. So Why do you think it's, I mean, I think certainly for an artist it's important to know, but why do you think it's important for everyone in the company to sort of understand that legacy of Walt and not maybe have that disconnect from who the person was? Yeah, yeah I believe it's important because I think that, you know, Walt was a very unique person, and he did things quite differently than anyone else. And he was a genius, you know. And and the way he de- the, the things that he developed, and the, and the way he developed the parks. I mean, you know, nobody else did it like Walt. You know, and Walt. Um, and I think it's important for cast members to know Walt's philosophy and and and, I th- uh, and the way he he saw things because um, it just kind of instills a sense of pride in you in, in your work. I think you know if you have a lot of respect and knowledge about Walt and you know his legacy and his history and all that, it just kind of you just kind of you feel a sense of pride like wow, I work for a special company, you know, because it, this is started by Walt Disney, you know, yeah. he's a special man. You think you you see a lot of that in the artists, those people that really understand the importance of what they're doing because of that legacy of Walt, probably here more so than anywhere else. Yeah, I think so, because, you know, Walt was all about quality and about, you know, family entertainment, so we all know that, and we all try to uphold that, you know, and we, you know, I think Brian said it really great when he says, you know, we don't want to be that generation when, you know, we look back 50 years from now, we don't want to be that time during the period of Disney where they think, oh, they messed up during that period of Disney history. We want to uphold that legacy. We want to keep it going for the next generation, you know. And yours is very authentic. I mean, you guys, you make, you literally make the pilgrimage out to Marceline, and you know the people there very well, and you've done presentations. Um, so it's not like your history of Walt is something that you get out of a book. You get it from being there. You go to the Carrollwood. Yeah, actually, I'm a, I'm a, you know, like I said, when I get involved in something, I, I really immerse myself. So I learned about Walt from an early age, reading books, but then I wanted to visit these places, so I, I've made uh, trips to Can- uh, to um, Chicago, where he was born. I've seen the house where he was born in, and, and the school that he went to there, his high school there, and uh, and also, of course, to Marceline, to Kansas City, and to all the different areas that Walt uh, lived in. Um, one of the biggest influences on Walt's life was Marceline, so I go to an, an event they have out there every year called uh, Toonfest, and um, it's in third weekend in September, and it's just a great town. And they bring in cartoonists from all over the country, and really famous cartoonists. And uh, they do like a cartoon symposium, and it's it just uh, just a great time. The great people. I always tell everybody that you know, Walt is shining down on Marceline because it's such a wonderful, wonderful little town, and people just are so friendly there. You, you shouldn't believe it. they're just so friendly, they're just so wonderful people. And I, I think I introduced you to a few of them at, at D23. They're just great people, you know. And uh, and so and I've also been to. California many many times you know business and personal and uh, and I always go to all the Walt sites and stuff I do it like all the time you right. know and and I actually developed a um, a trip uh, we call it the heritage trip for for Disney cast members where I take a group of five or six artists out we're doing artists now because we once we get through all the artists we're gonna start letting other people go but I take a, I do a trip out there and we meet with all our creative partners that's why we're having all the artists go first and we also it's kind of mix a mixture of a creativity trip like a synergy trip and a heritage trip mm-hmm. so we meet with all our creative partners like uh, uh, Walt Disney Imagineering uh, um, it, um, uh, animation we go to Family Live Entertainment they do all the Broadway shows around the world and you know um, 
consumer products, and we, so we meet every uh, creative uh, division out in the company, uh, out there in California, and we also mix it in with Walt's heritage. So we take take I take uh, uh, the group to Walt's houses and his first studio, and and different locations and things like that. So it's a lot of fun. You go to the the little carousel in Griffith Park where Walt used to take his daughters, and and I take them to the barn, which is right there at uh, Los Angeles Live Steamers Club, is Walt's barn, and you can take the ride little trains, and so we do. And of course, we go to Disneyland. We kind of get I give them a little walk in Walt's footsteps tour, take him to Walt's apartment, um, go to lunch or dinner at Club 53, you know, things like that. So it's a, it's a great trip. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Too. It's all immersive Walt trip, you know. <laughs> They're over us on Walt when they finish. <laughs> but now that they built, uh, that the Disney family uh, built a museum up in San Francisco, I want to actually include that mm-hmm. in our next trip. We want to be able to go up to the museum and uh, do that and uh, maybe stop Pixar for a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a normal trip to California. Go to Pixar or go to, you know. Uh, well, and, and speaking of Pixar, I mean, do you think somebody like John Lasseter has come, come in and brings that same, not comparing him to Walt, but he sort of brings that same sort of uh, commitment to excellence and that same sort of philosophy and really sort of embodies that, that Walt ideal. Oh, I think so. I think, you know, he's a huge Walt fan, you know, and it, just like all of us, you know, he's an artist and he loves the whole Disney, Disney legacy and things. And he just, uh, he's just a big kid. You know, if you see his office, oh my gosh, and we got him to go to his <laughs> office. I mean, I was able to bring my wife and my kids one time to Pixar and, I, and they got to go into John Lasseter's office and, uh, Sorry, John, if you're listening and you weren't there, <laughs> but we got to go into your office, and it was awesome. There's just so many toys in that in that in that office, and I told my wife, I don't want you ever telling me I have too many toys because this guy has a lot of toys. So after that, she's never said anything about the toys I have in my office at home because he has more toys than I've ever seen in my life. You know, call them collectibles, and it doesn't seem like they're toys. Oh yeah, okay, they're collectibles. Yeah, and they're referenced too. <laughs> he's got the complete set of GI Joes, which I have some of them, but not all the ones he has. And he's got a whole wall full of trains. He's a big train fan, and I'm a huge train fan. So um, it's it's really cool. It's, yeah. He's a he's a great guy. He's awesome. Thank God we have John Lasseter. <laughs> and you can see a lot of that, I think, the love, that, that genuine love that you have in some of the products that you create. And, I, and we always wonder, are some of those things things that you want to design or things that they say, hey, we need something for this? Because I know you did the Disney, didn't you do a Disneyland 55th anniversary Vinylmation? And we were just talking about Walt Disney World, some of the cool 40th anniversary stuff that you did, too. Yeah, I mean, I everything I create in my, in my day-to-day job, I always... I always try to do something that I, that I would want, that I would like, you know. I don't ever do something, oh, I don't, oh, I hate this, you know. <laughs> I always draw, try to draw something that I like, you know. Um, sometimes when it's executed, the final product, it didn't come out the way I kind of envisioned it, but uh, it's, uh, it, my, the art always has to be there, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I have a lot of, a huge affinity towards Disneyland, so any chance I get to do Disneyland stuff is, uh, I'm, out, I'm on it, you know. Like I did a, a set of five vinyls for uh, old attraction posters for Disneyland, mm-hmm. which I loved, you know. And I just completed, uh, just saw a sample of one of my 9-inch uh, for Walt Disney World for 40th. Can't tell you what it is. I'm not allowed. <laughs> but it's, I was so excited to finally see it, you know, in, in my hands, you know, the actual piece, which I'm excited about coming out. So I'm going to have to buy those, just like I bought the Disneyland posters. And, you know, and I, I get to uh, sculpt. I did the sculpts, you know, these sculpts over here uh, for the of an event at Disneyland. And, you know, I always wanted to, you know, do a sculpt for Disneyland in one of the events. So I got to sculpt that. So that was a lot of fun. So. Do you like um, you like working in, in the three dimensional 
models like that. Oh yeah, I mean sculpting is a lot of fun for me. I mean it's just like it's just like therapy. I could sit there and sculpt all night long watching TV. You know, just like a lot of fun. I used I did that whole sculpture here. This uh, I did uh, the Mickey. Uh, it's a reporter Mickey. I did for an event at Disneyland, and I did that at home. I didn't have time to sculpt it here, so I just did it at home. <laughs> just kind of whipped it out in front of it while watching the game. Yeah, yeah right, no, exactly. <laughs> and so when something like Walt Disney World's 40th anniversary comes up, do they say, Alex, we need you to do specifically A, B, C, and D, or Walt Disney World's 40th anniversary is coming up? Go to town and show us what you got. Um, yeah, they pretty much uh, kind of left it up to the artists to come up with the ideas. I mean, I'm, I've been around Walt Disney World since, you know, the 1971. I, I used to come all the time. And, and I remember the Orange Bird. And I remember a lot of the early attractions of Mickey Mouse Review and um, some of these great things that are no longer there, the Swan Boats, things like that. So I know when I created this merchandise for the 40th, uh, for the Florida project that we just recently had, I just went back to all that old stuff and, uh, you know, just started kind of bringing it back. Some people are like, what, what is that? You know, it's like, oh, this is great, you know. <laughs> I know you kind of helped me with some of the things. You're talking about the steel jump band and all that yeah, stuff, yeah. you know. <laughs> and we were talking about before the, uh, the little um, statue you created of the old school D and Mickey Mouse and the Orange Bird. And I know a lot of people, especially who are, are Disney history fans and have been coming for the last 40 years, Love seeing a sort of resurgence of the Orange Bird coming back. Yeah, I mean he's great. I mean he's a he's a really well designed character. He's very very appealing, and I'm happy to see him coming back. I think uh, you're going to actually see more of the Orange Bird. Um, oh, I like it. Not just with merchandise, but some some uh, you might see him in the parks hopefully. And I'm not just saying that for. I mean I'm just kind of guessing on that one because uh, there's a lot of been a lot of talk about that. But um, hopefully you'll see more Orange Bird around uh, in the near future. So. Uh, you're putting a smile on my face and, and <laughs> probably a few other faces as well. All right, so you talked about the history. I'll ask you a couple of questions. Like, So what do you miss most? What do you miss most here at Walt Disney World? Was it, is it an attraction? Is it a show? A restaurant? Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, man, that's a hard one. Oh, wow. Yeah, gosh. Mm. All right, let's get this way. You are CEO for the day. You've got unlimited budget. You can bring back either Horizons, World of Motion, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride or 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Wow. Well, you know, I always probably bring 20K back, but I have to say I love the Mickey Mouse Review. I remember when I went to uh, Tokyo and I had to go on that attraction maybe 10 times. Even though it was in, all in Japanese, but it was just awesome to be able to see it again in person. I just loved it. Just my childhood came back watching that show. And, you know, and I wished I wished I would have come back because I did close at Tokyo and they didn't bring it back. But, uh, you know, like I was telling you earlier, Bill Justice was a, was a good friend of mine and he programmed all those characters. And he was, to the day that he passed, I'm sure he was upset that they took that out of Walt Disney World. And um, he had his reasons why he thought they took it away. But, uh, you know, I wish they would have bought it back. I mean, it was a great attraction. Was, and I remember Bill told me, told me a story that when Roy Disney, Roy Sr., saw that attraction he just loved it and it was his favorite attraction and he says he told bill this is the kind of attraction we should be doing here at walt disney world and um, that was a big compliment for bill you know so when it left tokyo there was a lot of nostalgics like myself who wondered you know are they going to just take it maybe and maybe bring it back here um all right so not alex mayer the artist alex mayer the fan your favorite character as a fan? As a fan. Gosh, you know, I'm a Walt guy, so, you know, Mickey's Walt and Walt is Mickey, so Mickey's always number one for me. But, uh, you know, I, I just love all the Disney characters. You know, I love a lot of the obscure characters. Of course, I love Tinkerbell. You know, mm-hmm. she's awesome. But I love, like, Pablo the Penguin, and I love, uh, you know, the little beaver in Lady <laughs> and the Tramp. You know, he's such a great character, you know, and the, and the gopher and, and Pooh and... 
and um, you know Jock the you know the Scotty I have a little Scotty dog at home and his name is Jock so you know I, I just love Jock you know he's such a great great character you know there's just so many really cool obscure kind of uh, you know character you don't get to see mm-hmm. you know but I just love some of the uh, ones those kind of characters alright as a fan then your favorite Disney movie <laughs> gosh <laughs> Yeah, as a fan, you know, I've, I think most fans love all Disney movies, you know. Um, I have to say, uh, you know, Lady and the Tramp, uh, Sleeping Beauty, you know. Um, Old school, I like it. Yeah, you know, of course, you know, Bambi. Bambi is probably one of my favorites in Dumbo. Yeah, mm-hmm. But then I'm going to, you know, if we keep going, I'll name all of them, right. you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, part of a problem with that is because I see a DVD of Dumbo up on your shelf. Really? So, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> If you, do you get out to the parks much? And if so, do you have a favorite attraction? One of those things you just, you know, even coming all the time and working here, it's still one of the things you just really enjoy doing. You know, it's funny. We don't get to the parks that often because, you know, we work so much and, and, and also it gets very hot here. <laughs> so I'm, I'm starting to go to the parks more often now that it's getting cooler, yeah. you know. And, and But it's funny. Every time I do go, I just realize, God, I just love this place. I just love, especially the Magic Kingdom. I just love going to the Magic Kingdom and just looking at the castle. And just, I don't go to many attractions anymore. I just love getting an ice cream and sitting on Main Street and just watching the people and seeing their, their faces and just seeing how, uh, how happy they are, you know. And that makes me happy, you know. I remember being in a, at a, one of the parades, I think it was an electrical uh, parade in Disneyland, and uh, the parade ended, and I saw a mother and a daughter, and the daughter was probably in her 40s, and the mother was probably in her 60s or whatever, older people, you know. And they were hugging each other, and they were crying and just hugging and just like, isn't it wonderful, isn't it wonderful, you know. And I was like, Wow, you know, that's the magic of Disney. You know, it's just that is totally amazing to me, you know, to see that. It doesn't have to be little children. It could be at any, any age, you know. And that's what I love about the parks, you know. So it's just a lot of fun to go. Yeah. And your your passion and your enthusiasm is contagious. And you're smiling as you're talking, and it may not come through as much uh, in audio, but it probably right. does because you can see um, you truly love it. But you gave a lot of advice before, just sort of to wrap up. I think a lot of people want to be sitting or dream of sitting where you are, whether it's as an artist, as an animator, or as somebody who just wants to contribute because they love it so much. If you had a piece of advice for somebody, um, other than maybe just being passionate about it first, um, what would it be? Advice, you know? Just uh, whatever you want to do, just learn as much as you can about that. You know, just uh, if you want to be an artist, just... You know, uh, just draw, keep drawing. I tell my daughter she's going to be an artist, and she, I just, you got to draw all the time. Just keep drawing, keep drawing, and don't give up. You know, just persevere. You know, it'll happen. You know, you got to have faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. <laughs> awesome. I love it. And if you, the listener, ever has the opportunity to go out to one of these events or Art of Disney or wherever he may be, you need to make sure you allot some time to go and visit. And just run up and hug him because he love, he's, a, he's a big <laughs> hugger. Go up and hug Alex Mayer from the Disney Design Group. And uh, when you see some of his work in the parks or maybe up on your shelf, um, hopefully you, you've come to appreciate a little bit more. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for all the things that you've done, too. You. You've contributed a lot. You've donated a lot uh, to us for the Dream Team and stuff that we've been able to auction off for Make-A-Wish. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for your time. I'm also grateful for your friendship. And I'm grateful to as a fan first because what you do create are real works of art well thanks for stopping by it was fun thanks
that's all the time we have for this week's show. Thank you again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. And in addition to expressing my appreciation for listening to the show, I also want to extend my sincerest gratitude to all of you. Uh, as was announced this past weekend at the Blog World and New Media Expo, where I was actually speaking, that WDW Radio was awarded Best Travel Podcast for 2011. First, big congratulations and thanks go out to all the other nominees. Uh, there are many other great Disney and travel shows in that category that I certainly felt honored to be nominated amongst. But the biggest thanks really goes out to all of you. First, for not only taking the time to go out and nominate the show on your own, but for casting your votes during the voting period. I think this really is a testament to the WDW Radio family and the entire Disney community. And I believe that this award is not for me and the show, but it's something that we all share together because you are the ones who fuel my passion. You invite me into your homes and let me share my love of Disney with you. So again, I, I'm very, very grateful for that. Uh, I also believe that this recognition is going to ultimately benefit the Disney community as a whole. And I think it's also going to introduce many new people to hopefully some of the other great Disney podcasts out there. I also think that the, the medium itself is on the threshold of even greater growth and reach to even wider audiences. And I'm very excited for what lies ahead for both WWE Radio and for digital content creation as a whole. So big thanks and congratulations again to all the other nominees and my sincerest thanks to all of you. My friends, uh, again, I am humbled by this recognition. I'm grateful to all of you for your support and your friendship. And I am also thankful to Alex Mayer from the Disney Design Group. Uh, again, please come by the website over at www.radio.com. Click on the show notes for show number 247. There you can leave your comments or questions you may have for Alex as well. And while you're there, explore the site, the daily blog posts, our contests, discussion forums, and lots more. If you want to interact with the show, you know I love for it to be a two-way conversation Call the voicemail line at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Or you can email me with any of your questions at lou at wwradio.com. Also remember to come by and chat and watch our weekly live video broadcast every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern live over at www.newscast.com. There you can watch and discuss with other Disney fans and ask and answer questions about this week's Walt Disney World news, really make it an interactive conversation. If you can't make it live, that's okay. You can go to our YouTube channel, watch it on the WDW Radio blog, or catch the audio in iTunes as well. Like I said, when you come by the site, check out our discussion forums. Come join the community. Meet other Disney fans there or in person at our Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World and our other special events like the WDW Radio Cruise aboard the Disney Dream. We are now under the one-year mark. We're going to take another cruise on the Disney Dream November 4th through the 8th, 2012. For more information and a free no-obligation quote, visit www.radiocruise.com. We had a great time this past year. Really looking forward to it next year. And actually, our next meet of the month in Walt Disney World is going to be this Sunday, November 13th at 11 a.m. We're going to meet over at La Cantina de San Angel in Mexico over on Epcot Center's World Showcase. It is the last day of the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival, so we might as well go enjoy the, uh, the final day there. We're going to meet over at the outdoor seating area of La Cantina over by the water. We'll hang out there for a while, maybe walk around food and wine a little bit as well. For more updates as the day goes on, you can follow me over on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangiello. And again, no RSVP is necessary, but come by our Facebook page over at facebook.com slash Radio. And for more information about this and other upcoming Disney Meets, visit DisneyMeets.com. 
Quick reminder about Celebrations Magazine. If you want to subscribe, order back issues, visit celebrationspress.com. There you can also pre-order our special limited edition deluxe holiday book. It's 120 pages of a hardcover book with hundreds of color photos, some behind-the-scenes stories about the holidays at Walt Disney World. The pre-order price is just $19.95 plus shipping. Again, you can find out more over at celebrationspress.com where you can also download a free PDF version, a little sampler of what you can find inside each issue of Celebrations Magazine. Quick thanks to my partners and sponsors, Mouse Fan Travel is my recommended travel provider at two I use, and whether you're going to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, or Adventures by Disney, Becky Mankin and her team of agents give you the best possible prices, all available discounts, an incredible level of personal service, all at no additional cost to you. Visit them over at mousefantravel.com. When you come to Walt Disney World, check out all-star vacation homes. Maybe you want something a little bit bigger, a condo or up to a seven-bedroom home with multiple master bedrooms, pools, spas, game rooms, lots more. Visit them over at allstarvacationhomes.com. And if you want to stay right in the heart of Walt Disney World and enjoy the oh-so-incredibly comfortable heavenly beds, 17 world-class restaurants, lounges, the Mandara Spa, and lots more, visit swananddolphin.com. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, if you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share the links on Facebook or Google+. And please come by rate and review the show over on iTunes. And please also remember that there is no time like right now. Don't wait for someday because it never will come. So start pursuing your passion. Be positive and take a little leap of faith. And when you do, always keep moving forward. Thank you all again so very much again for the podcast awards, for taking the time to listen each and every week. It means so very much to me. I hope you guys have a great, great week this week. So until next time, See ya. Hi, Lou. This is Michelle from Ohio. And I just wanted to say it was so great to meet you uh, last week at the Magic Kingdom. You were sitting there, and I got so excited when I seen you and walked up to you and realized you were on the phone, and I interrupted your phone call. But you were still so nice to get a picture with me and sat with me for a minute. And that really meant a lot to me, even though I rudely interrupted you on your phone. <laughs> so I just wanted to say thank you so much. That was like one of the highlights of our trip to the kingdom. Um, so now we're friends because we met. Uh, thanks for everything you do. You're such a wonderful person. Um, thanks again. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is uh, Brian from Philadelphia, and I just listened to your top ten scariest places uh, in Walt Disney World. And uh, I agree, as kids, my uh, scariest uh, uh, place was the uh, was Indian Joe's Cave. Um, I remember as a as a really young kid in the '70s when my parents took us in there. They used to purposely uh, disorient us as we uh, would walk around to make us feel real good and lost. At one point, just uh, a couple of senior citizens walked by us. And my father told us that they had been in there since they were kids and that they were still looking for their way out. And my sister and I freaked out. Um, and uh, that's probably my scariest memory of, of, of all time in Walt Disney World. But uh, it was a great show and uh, looking forward to hearing more. Bye-bye. Hi, Lou. Hey, Lou. This is Lauren and Mike, and we're from uh, Franklin Park, New Jersey. And we're just calling because 
We are visiting Disneyland. Now, I know it's not Disney World, but we've never been here, and we're on a belated honeymoon. We're having a great time. We've actually been following the touring plans, and they've been working out really, really well. Um, wait times are really up to date, and we're having an excellent time. And we just wanted to share that with you. And uh, every time we miss something, we'll say, that's okay, because we're going to Disney World next year. So we'll catch it in Disney. But uh, hope everything's going well. Thanks for everything you do. And we'll hope to see you soon. Bye. You've got a friend in me. Yeah.